Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Bookwifery Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about a topic that is really important to my heart in the work that I do at Bookwifery, but even more than that, I'm I'm sure it's a topic that is touching your heart right now. Um, the topic is why we need your light and how to start shining it. So I've talked before about how the opening... The intro for the podcast includes this line about how my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. And I take that very seriously at at Bookwifery. And in episode zero, I have attempted to talk a little bit about what that means, but it's going to be a topic that we revisit periodically here on this podcast. And just in terms of supporting you in your own light bearing in the world. Um, But I thought today it was a fitting time or it is a fitting time for us to kind of um, talk philosophically a little bit (laughs) um, about why we need your light in the world and some of kind of my fundamental beliefs about that, um, about, about light and how it exists in each one of us. And then also to talk practically about how you can shine your light with intention in the world. And I'll give you kind of three different ways in which that can go. And, um, I hope you'll find it supportive and, um, practical and maybe even a little inspiring for how you move forward into the world. And and I will say too, I think this episode would be helpful for, for anyone listening who desires, who believes in light and the power of light in the world, who desires to shine light in the world, and who isn't even necessarily writing a book. And so this podcast is always, you know, primarily geared toward those who are working on a book and particularly in the general nonfiction category. But this particular episode would be valuable for anyone, book or no book. Um, really, um, I believe, you know, obviously light transcends context. And so, um, so anyways, yes, if you think that this is a message that others in your life might value and want to be a part of, um, want to be helped with, want to be encouraged by, um, feel free to share the episode with them. Okay, so why we need your light and how to start shining it. We're going to start off talking about some reflection on the state of the world. Then we're going to actually move into a short meditation time. It's going to be a real brief meditation, but it's going to invite you into some noticing. And then from that noticing, we're going to move into these three different ways in which you may you may channel your own unique light in the world. Okay, so reflection on the state of the world. Um, right now, as I record this episode, it's been a very intense um, week here in the United States where I live. We have been, um, it's kind of reached a fever pitch earlier this week um, concerning the migrant crisis at the U.S. southern borders. And it seemed like for me, and I'm guessing probably for you, especially if you live in the U.S., that just the issue became kind of the, the point of focus everywhere we turned, whether it was the news that we were consuming or um, places we were visiting online on social media in particular. Lots of articles being shared, lots of um, pleas for help being shared, um, lots of you know people sharing their 
their opinions, uh, people sharing information. And then um, midway through the week, we, re- we received word about this the executive order that had been issued by the president to um, kind of change course on the way this particular issue is being handled. So I'm stating this as a point of context for you as you're listening. If you're listening when the episode is going live in your podcast feed, um, you're probably nodding your head and saying, yeah, I have been living in that reality right now. I'm very aware of the intensity of the story and and the intensity of the sharing of the story in the world right now. Um, but if you're listening to this episode later in the future, you've found your way to the Bookwifery podcast and are listening back through some of the archives and have found your way to this episode, I'm going to also say that this episode, I trust, will also touch you in whatever the context of the state of the world is for you right now in this moment. So, I could have recorded this episode in at any point in the last several years when major events were happening. I think of events like the Syrian refugee crisis, which is still ongoing, but certainly um, kind of brought to the forefront of the news and our collective awareness of humanity and um a couple years ago, um, could have recorded this episode when the Paris massacre happened in 2015, um, could have recorded this episode in 2013 when the Boston bombing happened at the Boston Marathon, could have recorded this episode after any number of the um, horrific mass shootings that have happened um, in the U.S. in school contexts and otherwise. So, no matter what time you're listening to this episode, I I just know that there's likely events happening that are heartrending and horrific and um, defy imagination, and yet it's happening. And so I just want to say that the context of that reality is the heart behind why I'm even doing this episode, because I want it to be a place that you can touch in and um, get in touch with the reality of the world that we're living in, get in touch with your beliefs about how to respond to that, and get in touch with your own sense of response. So um, I'm kind of calling to our mind some of these contexts, these events in the world, and just saying um, that at any given time, events of this magnitude are happening a multitude of places around the world. And um, sometimes, I don't know if you ever connect with this feeling, but sometimes I get so despairing because I think, you know, 30, 40 years ago, um, there were only three news channels here in the U.S. and everybody was tuning into the same news pretty much every night and we were getting the same three perspectives or <laughs> whatever. I mean, I wasn't alive then when this was happening, but, you know, I think about Walter Cronkite and, you know, him being a figure in American news dissemination and the way that he would kind of speak into the living rooms every night about what was happening in the U.S. and around the world and everyone was getting Getting that same information or the same two newspapers. And now it's a completely different story. You know, there's, you know, tens upon tens of different news channels, cable news outlets, um, media outlets online, um, many different magazines, many different newspapers. There's so many different places you can go to get your information. Uh, articles that are shared on social media um, as being kind of a place that some people are going to get their news and 
you know, or watching TV or reading newspapers or reading magazines and newspapers online. It's just like there's so much in there's so much available and there's so many perspectives available and it's available 24/7 such that the world feels at the same time both so big and hard to contain because of the amount of information and awareness that we have, and yet so small because at any given moment we can know what's happening on the other side of the world, and and we can be connected to people that are that are living in a completely different place and context than us, and so we feel like they're our neighbors, and yet we also feel like I don't know how to hold all of the reality and the the noise and um, confusion and chaos and sadness and difficulty of humanity's problems right now in this moment on the globe in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit. It's like, how do, how do we hold it all? It's both so big, even as it is so small. And I get despairing, like I said, because I think, you know, when, when we were limited to the amount of news outlets, it's like we were all getting the same information and it was kind of being given to us at a pace and at a scale that was, I guess it felt more fitting for our humanity. Like we could take it in, in, in little chunks every day. And yet I recognize that at that time in history, our perspective was limited. We were limited on what we knew about what was happening in the world to those few major news outlets that were giving it to us. And the different biases or agendas that they brought to that and the ways in which now I'm so grateful to know about things happening in the world that those few news outlets wouldn't have told me about 40 years ago. And so I'm grateful for the expansion of consciousness and awareness that exists in the world. And I am completely overwhelmed and gutted by it because it feels like more information than my human capacity can hold as one person. And to know that beyond the reality of just all of that, you know, 24/7 access to information, there's a lot of factors going on that we can't control. We when we scroll our feeds, we can't control what will be shown to us at any given time, and so we we might get these like little mini assaults on our on our hearts and on our minds at any moment, any second as we're scrolling and um there's ways in which the technologies are set up to try to keep us inside the those you know particular gadgets or or apps and you know they're they're not neutral because they're they're kind of continuously building and refining ways to keep us held captive inside of them and you know kind of go after the certain ways that our minds uh, minds and hearts work and so there's a sensationalism there's um there's just the the realities of like the physicality of scrolling and tapping and clicking and the ways that our brains respond to getting notifications and like there's all these things going on right and we're being assaulted and we're all so we're we're holding this tension of like there's so much and it's important and there's also these kind of under the surface or in the background, behind the curtain, things also happening that are affecting the way that we experience and consume our world. And so I'm not telling you probably anything you don't know, but I just want to kind of paint some context for us to say, this is the world we're living in. This is why we need light. And um, I think the reality of how the information is coming at us and the way it's designed to kind of keep us captive, keep our attention captive, um, we 
on, you know, on our side need to be laser focused on what's most important to us, the the values, the priorities that we've set, the sense of mission or call or purpose or intention or priority that we are bringing to the lives that we're living. And so there's, there's a lot of work we're having to do on our own side of the fence of how we carry ourselves in the world, how we interact with the information that is available to us in the world, how we interact, interact with our devices. So all of that is just kind of like setting the stage for this conversation today. And I want to, I want to say here that in terms of like why we need your light, I think about this in two ways. One is the just general need for light in in the midst of a world that has at sometimes it feels lost its mind, and um, and maybe at any time in history that could have been said. You know, the re- reality is that the world is inhabited by humans, and all of us have our dark side, our shadow side, and our light side. And um, so it's not new that the world feels like it's a crime crumbling beneath itself um, and the weight of all of its suffering. But it's also, so there's this general need for light in the world. But I, I, the other way I think about this and what I want to bring into our point of focus in this episode is the specific need for your particular light in the world. And um, so that's that's kind of the 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 crux of what I focus on in my work is helping you get clear on the specific particular light that you carry and how to channel it in the world particularly through a book but also if you've if you've been listening to the last episodes of the podcast you know that I I look broader than a book when it comes to how you live in the world and and share your light. It's it's about the whole scope of how you're living and it's about your whole scope of your vocation and it's about all the ways that you are connecting with your audience and building your platform and kind of building a life around a particular light that you carry to shed abroad in the world. And so there's this general need for light in the world in the midst of so much difficulty and pain and suffering and darkness. And then there's this unique particularity that is you. And I want to talk about the tension between those two things in this episode. So the first thing I want to do to kind of move us forward into that is to stop and do a moment of meditation. As I mentioned, this is kind of the second piece of this podcast episode is to invite you into a meditation and some space of noticing. So um, if you're driving and you can't uh, close your eyes. I mean, please don't close your eyes if you're listening to this while you're driving. But if you are in a place where you can stop and take a pause and kind of let yourself enter a meditative moment with this episode, I would love, I I just gladly invite you into that. Um, But if you're not in a place where you can stop and kind of really enter into a moment of meditation, I just invite you to follow along with the promptings in the way that you're able to right now, or maybe come back later and listen to it again. So here's what I'm inviting you to do right now. If you're able to stop to do that, to get into a comfortable posture, um, closing your eyes, kind of setting down what's ever in your hands, if you're able to do that safely, allowing yourself to breathe for a minute, Dropping down to center. And I just want to invite you to call to mind your own awareness of the events in the world that 
are happening right now in the time and place that you find yourself right now. Big events, life world events. Whether it is that migrant crisis at the U.S. southern borders right now that I'm experiencing or at some other event at some other point in time. What is the thing that is kind of captivating the collective consciousness right now? As you're calling that to mind and holding it in your mind and in your heart space, I want to invite you to notice a couple things. Notice how it is that your heart is responding. What is your heart's response to this event right now? Notice how your body is responding. Are there any places in your body that you notice a response? Tightness, clenching, rigidness, gripping. Notice how your mind is responding to this event or events. What are your thoughts saying? What is the pace of your thoughts? We're going to move into a bit of an active response right now, and that is to send loving kindness. I remember when I first learned about the ways that our own energy fields that we transmit into the world through intention and through thought and through heart communication um, can really impact kind of the frequency of the energy fields around us and how that can create a ripple effect. And... Um, and the practice of loving kindness being something that actually matters, what energy we're putting out into the world really makes a difference. And so I'm going to invite you into a moment of loving kindness right now. And that is to first offer loving kindness, compassion, care, empathy to yourself in this space. toward yourself in your own response to this event that you've been holding in your mind. Can you share loving kindness with yourself in how you are holding and responding to the situation? And I invite you to now turn outward and send loving kindness to the individuals that are a part of this event. 
people who are affected by the situation itself. Bring them to mind. Allow your heart to send loving kindness to them. And to the situation now, the situation in a broad scope, kind of as a thing itself, all the factors, the people, um, the resolution, the chaos, the seeking of facts, and the making our way through it. Um, As you look at the situation and all that needs to be done and taken care of and ascertained, would you send loving kindness to the situation? I'm going to invite you out of the meditation space now and invite you into some noticing. The first thing I want to invite you to notice is your impulse. When you first started um, paying attention to the event that you were holding in your heart and your mind space, what impulses might you have noticed about yourself, about the situation? And I'll name some kind of examples. Um, Impulses to do something or to not do something. Um, An impulse toward activism. Whether that's at the level of wanting to help with the legislation or uh, making calls or going to the front lines in some way. Um, An impulse toward prayer. Um maybe an impulse toward tears and weeping, maybe an impulse to hide, to pull the covers over your head, an impulse to give money or supplies, an impulse to learn more about a situation, inform yourself, maybe an impulse to inform others, to raise awareness and consciousness, to educate, to explain, an impulse to rally, to gather, to, to, um, to gather forces, to demonstrate somehow, an impulse to go local. Maybe it's an event that's happening far from you and you notice an impulse in yourself to do something locally, whether it's related to the event or some other thing that you feel is within your power to do to make a difference in the world. Um, An impulse to write, an impulse to illustrate. So 
So there's all these things, right? All these different impulses that different ones of us could have. Um, And I want to, in this noticing of your own particular impulse, I want to now take you to a level, level deeper with it and to say, or to ask yourself the question, which of these impulses feel like they're coming from my true self? Which of them feel like they might be coming from my false self? So I've talked about this language before. I believe it was in episode two on the nine discernment questions you can hold and ask yourself before birthing a book. Um, We talked about the difference between the true self and the false self and how at any given time we can have multiple motivations happening within us. And um, another way to think about your true self might be your most authentic self or your essential self, uh, your pure um, sense of unity at your core. And the false self um, is also sometimes named as the ego self or the survivor self, um, the part of us that might cling for preservation or self-preservation or um, sometimes can become aggressive or um, can withdraw out of fear. So noticing in your impulse, um, impulses, which seem to come from your most true self and which seem to come from your most false self. And I'll share for me, um, when I do this exercise, what I notice about my false self is an impulse to hide, to want to kind of bury my head in the sand. I spoke earlier about a sense of despair that can sometimes take over me when I Uh, get a glimpse at how big a situation is or how many situations there are or the depravity of humankind. And I just go to this despair place and I just want to put my head in the sand or go crawl under the covers. And not that that necessarily means it's a false self for you if that's your impulse. But for me, I know it is this sense of like, I'm so small, I can't do anything and it's hopeless and it it's all going to, you know, implode. And I just want to give up and I just want to ignore it and I just want it to go away and I feel like it doesn't matter what I or anyone does. It's never going to get better. That's That I know for me is my my false self, um, the, the part of me that feels hopeless. Um, another way that my false self can sometimes show up in events like this is I start to f- I look around and I see how many people are speaking up and doing things and I start to feel like I need to do something because um, you know if I don't people are gonna notice and they're gonna wonder like what side I come down on like where do I stand am I willing to speak up for those who have no voice if I'm not speaking up what does that say about me I mean it's that is where my ego starts to really have a voice <laughs> and I'm worried more about myself and the way I look to other people than I am um, actually really legitimately worried about the situation I'm worried about the situation but I'm more worried about like, is what I'm saying or doing enough? And is are other people going to know that I care? You know, um, when I get in, in touch with my true self, for me, um, I, I, I notice a few things emerge. One is going to a place of prayer. And that just comes back to my sense of identity as a contemplative in the world, my deep belief that those who pray Um, for the cares of the world are doing activism Um, in their own way. They're contributing. They're helping hold the world in light. 
Um, They're also helping entrust the world and its concerns to the reality of the greater forces among us um, that are in good, uh, that are for our good. Um, So going to prayer is helping me get in touch with my true self. It takes me away from my ego self and helps me acknowledge the reality, the truth of what's happening and the truth of what's happening in me. Another way I get in touch with my true self is I start to educate myself because a lot of time the despair for me comes from just a general feeling of overwhelm and like there's so many voices on all sides and swirling around and I can't see my way through anymore. And so starting to read articles and educate myself about a situation, just a few really well-reasoned, well-articulated, helpful articles can be enough to like bring me back down to ground and start to get a sense of like, okay, this is the landscape this is what's happening. Now I have a sense of what's going on and what's needed. Um, And then I notice that my true self emerges too when I start to use my voice in a constructive way. So for me, that often comes from having educated myself, and then I can share that education with other people in a way that makes sense to them. And it can possibly be helpful to them. And so it's like, I hear the voices of others that help me understand, and then I use my voice to help others understand. And there's like there's kind of an educator in me and a communicator in me, and um, also um, an assimilator in me, an assimilator of information that can then communicate that in an easy to understand way. And so the prayer piece and the learning piece and the communication piece are kind of the three tent poles, I think, of of one way that my true self shows up in the world. And I invite you to notice what that is for you. Um, I'd like to say that I'm an activist, but I know that I'm not. Um, but I also know that the way that I serve is just as legitimate. It's, it's just as necessary. We need those who can communicate. We also need those who are going on the front lines and rallying. We also need those who are willing to, to take truth to power and speak up. We also need those who are willing to bring the, the goods and the services and the resources that are needed to get the work done. Um, so there's all these different ways that we each contribute, right? And in this moment, what I'd like to do is name this as your mode. So there's three things we're going to kind of unpack in the remainder of this episode, and that is mode, context, and allied concerns. So this first piece is mode, and this has to do with noticing your impulses, getting clear on which are coming from your true self and which are coming from your false self. And um, as you tune in to your true self's nature in how you best respond to situations in the world, you're getting more and more in touch with your natural mode of operation in the world, how you best help. And so, like I said, it could be all these different ways. It can be, um, it can be the the prayer. It can be the activism. It can be the um, writing and illustrating. It can be giving of resources. It can be acts of service. It can be. Um, rallying people around, using your voice to help others, like like with a charismatic call. Um, And so all of these things are necessary. And this is basically the how in which you shine, the how in which your light comes into the world. Um, I'm going to read something to you that I hope is an encouragement and also like maybe something that will help you feel like you can like let out a deep breath. Um, Grab it real quick. 
It is written by a woman named Chris Zidell, and you may have seen this making its way around the internet in the last few years when there's big um, kind of world-altering events that have happened. I've seen these words crop up here and there by this woman named Chris Zidell, and it's meant to encourage you into your own mode of being, your own mode of being and response, your own mode of how you shine in the world. And Chris writes, Some of us are prayers. Some of us are doers. Some of us respond with startling immediacy. Some of us need time and space for the events to simmer and marinate before we can make a response. Some of us are passionately driven to make changes in the outer political system. Some of us are passionately driven to make art that shifts our inner perspective. Some of us are healers whose work it is to minister to and midwife the channels of grief and the broken hearts. Some of us are warriors crying out for justice and the fierce need to transform how things have always been done. If you are feeling outrage or anger or the need to fight back, open fully to your warrior spirit and help us to see how righteous action can be a powerful healing balm. If you are brought to your knees in grief and can't get up off the floor for three days, know that you are crying for us all. If you are feeling joyful and grateful for the gift of your own life, revel unabashedly in that sweetness. All of us are in this together, and all of what you have to offer is needed and necessary right now. Trust in your innate genius and your own organic response. You have a gift to bring to what is happening in the world today. And all that is being asked of you, it is what is what is asked of you every single day. Open to that gift. Trust it. Get out of the way and allow it to be expressed. Don't hold anything back. Be fully and unequivocally alive. That is enough and has always been enough and always will be enough. I will go ahead and include this in the show notes for the episode in case you want to read through it and make a copy of it for yourself. Um, But again, it's written by a woman named Chris Zidell, who, as I understand it, is kind of like a healer and writer in the world. Um, And I first came across this after the Paris massacre happened in 2015 and found it to be really helpful because there are so many forces that kind of come out and come in when something happens on a grand scale in the world. And we can feel really conflicted about how to best respond. And I love the way that this piece invites us to really tune in to our own innate way of responding. I'm naming it our mode. Um, And to really honor that as part of the collective whole. So your mode is how you shine, and it's by paying attention to those impulses and noticing which impulses feel like your most true self and allowing yourself to really claim that. The next thing I want to cover is the reality of context and then allied concerns. So I think what happens a lot is that these events happen, they pop up all that they're happening all the time, and it's it can be hard to know where to direct our attention because at any given time, people in the world are suffering and and issues in the world are complicated. And 
Um, we may feel like one, like I mentioned earlier, one small person in a sea of humanity that is all crying out and having an opinion or is not crying out at all and is just going about their day. And, um, and it just, it's hard to know how to kind of situate ourselves. And so with these last two pieces about context and allied concerns, I'm hoping to provide you with a framework to kind of know how to situate yourself inside of kind of just reality. (laughs) So when I talk about context, I am talking about where you shine. So in the mode piece that we just talked about with your impulse and kind of how you're wired to respond to situations in the world, that was about how you shine. The context piece is about where you shine. And I take as my belief in, in talking about this, that each of us kind of has, um, we've each been given a context in which to live outside of kind of world events that are happening on any given day that might happen. We have a context in which we're living and it may be a context that for us just feels like regular life. You know, we go to work, we take care of our families. Um, we do the things that we're interested in and we kind of just keep living our life. And I would say that in that way of living, we have the mode of being in the world that we bring to those contexts, no matter how regular or everyday we might think they are. Um, but I also, um, I, I primarily speak here in this podcast and in the work that I do to those of us in the world who feel a sense of, um, like a sense of work or a sense of vocation, a sense of mission, a sense of purpose, all these different words that, you know, different words hold different connotations for each of us. So I try to give you a variety of language here. But um, if you have a sense of what you are about in the world, what you are meant to be doing with your days, that um, it can be as particular as I am meant to be raising children in a way that honors the values that I want to see extended in the world. Or it can be a vocation that says, I am here to help a particular population in my city um, find dignity being granted to them wherever they go. Um, Or it might be something like, I have a particular message that I am trying to, I'm, I'm being kind of I'm being prompted to share in a broader way in the world, and I'm going about the work of communicating that in as many places as I can. So there's like this whole range, this whole spectrum of contexts. And what I would love for you to do is to be thinking about what is your primary context? Like, how would you name... um, like acknowledging the fact that there's multiple contexts that we're a part of. There's our family context, our, you know, social context, our faith context, our work context. There's like all these contexts. Um, But in this conversation, I want to invite you to notice the, the sense of vocational work context. Um, Where is it that you are being invited to channel that light and to make a difference and to speak and act and do and live and be on behalf of a particular thing um, that you've named is your important work in the world. And so when I talk about that con- that particular context, I want you to remember that that is your specific work here. That is the place where when you are getting in touch with your light and your, your way of channeling that light, like how you shine, that context that is your immediate thing to do in your daily life, no matter what else is going on in the world, is like the primary place that light is being channeled. And 
Then adjacent to that are what I call allied concerns. These are things that happen at any given time in the world, whether it's a a world event or whether it's an ongoing concern in the world. Um, Concerns about poverty or water, access to water or um, human trafficking or things that are kind of big issues that are constantly being worked on in the world. You might have named a couple different areas of allied concerns that you care about that when you will often speak on behalf of if and if there's an event that happens that's connected to that you feel a particular need to raise awareness and consciousness in the world with your voice but it's it's adjacent to the primary context in which you normally operate okay so I'm hoping that you can like kind of think about this. You've got your mode of being in the world, how you tend to channel your light. Then you've got your your main context, where, where you tend to channel your light, where you're particularly called to do that. And then there are these allied concerns that are kind of adjacent to you that you care about, that you're committed to, that you will speak up on behalf of. And they are places that you also can bring your mode of being but trust that it's not your primary context. And I realize in saying that it's a little, it might strike you as a little bit odd, like, well, if all these things are happening, we all need to rise up right away and like do something about it. And I agree that the collective voices need to be spoken, they need to be heard and they are being heard so many, in so many ways. Um, But I, what my perspective on this is that The things that we count as allied concerns that are not our primary work in the world, that work is someone else's primary work. That is their primary context. So the same way that you were able to name your primary context that takes up, you know, 75% of your space, of your life, of the way that you are meant to exist and, and work in this world, that for someone else connected to these big issues and events, that is their primary context that they are living in every day. So I'm thinking about people like um, immigration lawyers right now, like that they have given their lives to edu- being educated in the area of immigration law, to working on behalf of um, people who are, you know, trying to come to a particular country and navigating the system and like that is their work. That is what they have given themselves over to. And so for them, They have their mode and their context in which they are doing that. And what they are needing in any given moment are people who are allies and willing to speak up on behalf of their work in a way that is, you know, consonant with their own mode of being. But they aren't needing the rest of us (laughs) to take on that work as our primary mode of being or our primary context, unless that's really what we've been asked to, to give our lives to. And so I, I think what's helpful for me when I am faced with like the bigness of, of the world's concerns is to bi- give incredible gratitude to those who are kind of at the head of these issues. Um, I think about, I think his name's Scott Harrison, who runs Charity Water, the, orga- the nonprofit organization that's working to bring water to like all these different places, I think in Africa, that need water. And I'm not closely connected to that organization, so I don't know all the details, but just he comes to mind as an example of someone who has given his life to the work of water access in the world. And he has created an organization around it. He's created all these different like 
um, offshoots of ways that people can get involved with it. He's not asking the rest of the world to make it their life's work, but he is looking for allies who are willing to use their voices and their own modes to be a part of what he's trying to accomplish in the ways that they can. And so I love the freedom that this gives us to honor the work that each person is called to do. And this comes back to this idea of light. Um, I hear my students say a lot of times that it's such a great relief that they can come back to the reality that they do not have to hold light on behalf of the whole entire world, that they are not responsible for the light for the whole world. They are responsible for their light. And naming what that light is and the context in which you you are being invited to share it is like assignment number one, you know? And and then also, like, when we think about our allied concerns, it's like we are coming and bringing our light over to these other people who have their lights shining on behalf of these particular concerns that are their primary context, and we're lending our light there in the ways we're able to but we are not abandoning the main context we are meant to give in because that is work that cannot be done in the world unless we do it. And so it's it's like we need all of us. We need all the collective light going out in all the collective directions. And we help one another. We raise our hand and become allies to particular things that we can become allies in, and we help them in the ways that we can. And we give thanks and gratitude for the ways in which others are doing incredible work in areas that we cannot do that work, that we are not gifted or skilled or equipped or called to do that work. But we also trust into the and rest into the work that is ours to do. So mode is your how of how you shine your light. It's your impulse, your way of of bringing light into a situation. Um, Context is your primary way of existing in the world, the work that you have been given to do. And allied concerns are the places where you step up as you're able and offer help in the modes and ways that you're able. So that's what I have for you today. I just want to leave you with these words that you let yourself be allied with the concerns that you care about, that you trust each person's context is that which they are meant to serve, and that you don't lose sight of your context. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my Birth Notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.